A fabringen in Yiddish, a term meaning a joyous gathering, but it's really so much more. It's insight, it's inspiration, it's the bottom line. Join Rabbi Levi Avton Tuesdays at 1 p.m. for the Fabringen, only on 101.9 High FM. This is Rabbi Levi of Linksfield Shul, and it is a privilege and an honor to be with you on this day, Lagba Omer. The song you were just listening to is Rabbi Shimon Omer by Barry Weber, and it's actually a song that we uh, played specifically because today is Lagba Omer, and today is the day of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. And the song was quoting various statements about Rabbi, that Rabbi Shimon said about the Jewish people and about Torah and how it's going to be here forever. And the eternity of the Jewish soul, the eternity of holiness, of Torah, of meaning. Today is a very special day on the Jewish calendar. Lots of programs have been going around town, around the world. I have to say, um, a few weeks ago there was this meme going around that behind Corona is Zoom. Zoom company did the whole thing, and I'm starting to actually believe it. Just kidding. No, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but gosh, thank God for Zoom. Uh, two months ago, 90% of us had no idea what Zoom was, and most of us today are living off Zoom a big part of the day, especially as a rabbi in a shul. I could pretty much stop calling myself the rabbi of Linksfield shul, and I could call myself the rabbi of Linksfield Zoom shul. Um, and today is Lagba Omer. It has many elements today, but the fundamental idea of today is it's the yard site, the day of passing of one of the great sages of all time. His name was Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. Rabbi Shimon, the son of Yochai, lived post-Second Temple era. We're talking about common era in the, one, the second century common era and lived in the Holy Land. Although the temple was destroyed, there were still many Jews living in the Holy Lands under Roman persecution. And for some reason, as we're going to explore throughout the show, from all the Jewish sages that passed away throughout history, nobody has had their day of passing turned into a day of joy. And definitely nobody has had a day that's celebrated by pretty much the whole Jewish world. And there were many sages, some might say, that were even more pivotal to Jewish history. Moses, Moshe Rabbeinu, we know when he passed away. It's on the 7th of Adar. But ultimately, it's not a worldwide Chag. Some people fast on that day. Um, very often the Hever Kaddisha will do something on that day, but it's not a Chag. Aaron Akohen, Aaron, Moshe's brother, we know when he passed away, was the first day of the month of Av, July, August time. And there's not much of a celebration on that. And many sages, if you travel in Israel, one of the interesting things of traveling in Israel, specifically in the north, but all over Israel, north has just has a high concentration of it. You're driving on the road, suddenly you'll see a light blue. Usually it's a circle, a semicircle, a, a, a little rooftop. Sometimes it's big, sometimes it's small, and it's dotted all over the road. And whenever you see that light blue, you see that you, you'll know that there's a, one of the sages is buried there. And if you just take the road up to Tzfat from Tel Aviv and and you start going into the windy roads, you'll literally see sometimes every few meters, sometimes every kilometer or so, you'll see those little blue structures. Some of the great sages of the time of the Mishnah, 
obviously we're, we're, we also have in Hebron, we have the patriarchs, the matriarchs, sages, kings, queens, prophets. Where Shmuel was prophet Samuel's buried. Israel has, it's one of those things that very often people that go on tours to Israel don't get to see. They often go to Hebron, to Hebron. But to actually just go and see the the graves, I know graves don't sound like an exciting trip, but to see history, to see names that when you open up the Mishnah, when you open up the Talmud, when you open up Ethics of Our Fathers and you see names of people, you actually see that you know, here's actually where the person was buried. 2,000 years ago, 2,500 years ago, 1,500 years ago. It's, it's, it's mind-blowing. And a lot of these people, we know when they passed away. And yet, it is only Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai and one other sage, the Arizal actually, but not not nearly as big, but the Arizal whose yard site's on the fifth above, those two individuals, their yard site, not only are they not days of tears, but they're days of deep celebration, especially like Ba'omer, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. So what we're going to do on today's show together is we're going to explore a little bit of the life the times, the individual, who this person was, and most importantly, his relevance to our time. It's not a history show. So even if we talk history, it has to have relevance. That's what a Fabringen is. It has to have relevance. And we're here to discuss real life, real um, lessons. And what lessons can we learn from this incredible individual is really the journey that we're going on. So I look forward to have you with us as we go. The next song that I want to play just before we come back. This song is the teacher of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai and another hero of Lagba Omer. Unfortunately, he it was his students, the 24,000 students who passed away. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai was one of the five who survived and they all, those who passed away stopped dying on Lagba Omer and that's another reason why we celebrate on this day. And Rabbi Kiva, who was the mentor and the guide of Rabbi Shimba Yochai, I'm one of the greatest sages of all time. One of the most quoted sages in the Torah. Said the following words, Ashreichem Yisrael, how lucky each and every one of you are that God purifies you, that God loves you. And that, this is a song on those words by Mordechem and David, Amar Rabbi Kiva, 101.9, Chai FM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9, Chai FM. This is 101.9 Chai FM, Rabbi Levi Afton of Linksfield Chill. Good to be here. That song, Amar Rabbi Akiva. Again, playing songs that are connected to the day of Lagba Omer. Today we could play real music, not just a cappella. And it's a privilege and an honor to be here with you to talk about the sage Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, who we sp- started speaking about earlier, second century. And the sage who, although many of us have never heard of him or don't really discuss him, somehow it's his day that has become the most celebrated um, yard site in the year. And some might say actually the happiest day of the year. I'm, yes, we have Purim, we have some Kastorah, but specifically in the Holy Land, but, but throughout the past 1,800 years, Avashem Bar Yochai's yard site has had many unique things. People go out to the field on this day. People play with bow and arrow. People light bonfires. 
half a million Jews every year, obviously not this year due to Corona, come to his gravesite during the 24-hour period of the day. Literally, in many ways, it's the the most joyous and most um, celebrated Chag when it comes to joy in the Jewish world. Obviously, Purim there is a lot of joy, but it's much more private. Each person in their own home, in their own community. Over here, tens of thousands of people come around bonfires, jumping, dancing. What is it about this person? Who is he? I never heard about him in Hebrew school. What do we know about him? What did he do? So let's give some context. You might have heard of the major book, the Mishnah. The Mishnah is the first published book in the oral law tradition. Let me explain what I mean. For about 1,500 years after the Jewish people received the commandments on Sinai and then had the five books of Moses transcribed by Moses just before his passing, the only written texts that were widely publicized and published were the the written law, the five books of Moses, the books of the prophets, 24 books of the Jewish canon, of the Jewish... um, of the, the Torah. And all the traditions, various traditions people had, it would be passed over from one person to another person. Sometimes people would write notes, but it would only be for themselves. There was no such a thing as publishing or disseminating Jewish tradition. Everyone had the text of the five books of Moses and the other 19 books of the prophets and writings, but other than that, nothing was written. And... In the aftermath of the destruction of the Second Temple, the Second Jewish Commonwealth was gone in the Holy Land. The Jewish people were decimated. The Romans had ravished um, the Jewish homeland. It was a terrible time, not only at the destruction, but following that as well. The famous massacre of Betar, the famous story how they killed 10 of the greatest sages and the most gruesome of deaths. We read about it on Tisha B'Av. We read about it on Yom Kippur. And that was in the aftermath of the temple's destruction. Actually, one of the sages that was killed by the Romans in this gruesome manner was Rabbi Akiva, the teacher of Rabbi Shimon Bayochai and the one who lost 24,000 students. And Rabbi Akiva is also somebody worth talking about, not today, but we could talk about him, his incredible life and his heroic ending. It's from being an ignoramus at the age of 40 to becoming one of the, and some might say the greatest sage of that era. Uh, and then dying in such a horrible death, his life was nothing short than unbelievable. And in this time, many of the Jews were living in the Holy Land, as I said, under Roman subjugation. It was a difficult time. And the great sages were living during this era. Over this 300-year period, starting at the end of the Second Temple and going into the first few, first few centuries after the destruction, and that era is called the era of the Mishnah. Why is it called the era of the Mishnah? Because Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, Rabbi Yehuda, the great leader, third or fourth century, at some stage he decided to be the first person to officially publish the oral law, all the traditions that he had until then, to publish it in a Mishnah. That's what he called his set. He called it the Mishnah. It wasn't all traditions. There were many traditions that weren't published in the Mishnah. There were... Um, books called the Brises and Teseftas, but the major book that came out at that time, the first and the one that set the tone of the revolution, 
was the Mishnah. Rabbi Yehuda felt that due to the destruction of the temple and the lack of centralization of the Jewish community, although in theory the right thing was not to put these things down, but to save Judaism, he had to uh, do this because otherwise if there was no centralized book to where to look back to, um, Judaism would be lost from the Jewish community. And he authored the Mishnah. The Mishnah is not as well known publicly as the Talmud. The Talmud which is more well-known as actually a commentary on the Mishnah, because basically the Mishnah was written in shorthand, and the Talmud, which was written over the next 400 years after the Mishnah was authored, basically for 400 years, various sages debated and discussed the, the laws of the Mishnah, and all their debates and conversations and legends and um, traditions were all put together in one book called the Gemara or the Talmud. So, when most people refer to the Talmud, they're referring to the whole package, not just the Gemara, not just the commentary on the Mishnah, but the Mishnah itself. So therefore, when you hear the Talmud, it actually includes the Mishnah and pretty much the almost all of the Mishnahs are in the This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 High FM. The Talmud, the Jerusalem Talmud, the Babylonian Talmud that were authored to, as commentary on the Mishnah. So the fundamental book of Jewish oral law, of Jewish tradition, of Jewish practice is the Talmud. Everything's based on that. And one of the most quoted sages, I believe he's the fourth most quoted sage in the Mishnah, which is the, as we said, the foundation of the Talmud, is Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. Rabbi Shimon was a huge um the word character often has a mispresentation, not a character as in a character, but a fundamental building block of Jewish tradition and Jewish law. And if you open a page in the Talmud, literally every other page or every third page, you'll see the name Rabbi Shimon. It's all over the place. Usually he's called Rabbi Shimon, not Rabbi Shimon by Yochai without his father's name, but that's Rabbi Shimon. In the laws of Shabbat, he's quoted. He's all over the place. Rabbi Shimon is huge in the Talmud. But that doesn't explain why Rabbi Shimon became a legend and his yard site became the most celebrated musical, the musically most celebrated Jewish day of the, of the year. Why? What's going on? So in order to understand that, you have to understand another thing about him. The second major contribution he did to Jewish life, and that is he authored the book, The Zohar. I guess it's not really fair to call it a book, just like you can't call the Talmud a book. It's a set of books. The Zohar, so too, is not a book. It's a set of books. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai wrote what is pretty much the Bible of Jewish mysticism, the foundational text of Jewish mysticism. Jewish mysticism has many books. By today, a lot of the books are translated into English, including the Zohar, Although sometimes opening the Zohar in English feels as much illegible as the original Hebrew. It's a hard text to read. Some of the concepts there are really difficult. But it's the foundational book. And all Jewish mysticism, whether it's Kabbalah, Hasidut, will always trace itself back to the Zohar. The Zohar is the book that's the foundational text. Many of our customs that Jews practice around the world are traced to the Zohar 
it is a major book of Jewish life. It is huge. Quoted by all the sages, it's one of the biggest commentaries on the five books of Moses. It's, it's big. You could Google it. And Jewish mysticism, the word mysticism is, is, is a misnomer because like everything else, what most of us think of mysticism is not necessarily what Zohar is. That means it's not necessarily airy-fairy and it's not living in the clouds. Jewish mysticism is understanding the, the world through God's perspective, understanding the building blocks of this world, the meaning of creation, understanding spiritual ideas, spiritual ideas behind the text, opening the five books of Moses, not just reading the literal reading of the text, but understanding mystically what's going on, understanding about other worlds, understanding about angels, understanding about life, resurrection, reincarnation, all that fits into the category of Jewish mysticism. And as I said, it also materializes into practical Jewish law as well. So Rabbi Shimra Yochai authored this book. And as I mentioned, the other person whose yard site is celebrated, although not at the same league as Rabbi Shimra Yochai, is Darizal, whose second Rabbi Shimra Yochai is, is the most revolutionary sage when it comes to Jewish mysticism because he took all the teachings of the Zohar. This, he lived 1,500, 1,400 years after the Rabbi Shimra Yochai. He took those teachings and offered it a new context offered clarity on things that had been a bit confused and debated over centuries, and pretty much all Jewish mysticism today, except the Jewish Kabbalah, follows the tradition of the Arizal. So it's between Rabbi Shimon Yochai and the Arizal, those two individuals who built up, gave the building blocks of Jewish mysticism. And some of us might have learned Jewish mysticism and some of us might not have been exposed to it. But ultimately, the truth is we've all been exposed because a lot of the ideas that we talk about, tikkun olam, that's a Jewish mystical idea. That's an idea that the Arizal, based on the Zohar, brought into this world, the idea that we're here to fix this world, the idea that, we're, that our actions make a difference, the value of our actions Understanding what God wants us, not, not what He wants us, He wants us to do Torah and Mitzvahs, but why? And what do we accomplish? Understanding our role in bringing the Mashiach. Understanding the soul and the place of soul. Understanding death, understanding life. All, all, all these concepts are thanks to these revolutionary sages. Obviously Kabbalah means tradition. They didn't make this up. We're told that already the book Sefer Yetzirah is the first book of Jewish mysticism was authored according to some commentaries by Adam himself, the first man. And Abraham, Abraham wrote ideas of Jewish mysticism. So it's not as if these people invented Jewish mysticism. It's not a new invention. It's part of the Torah. But they exposed it. They anatized it. They gave a context. They explained it. They verbalized it. They gave us the ability to understand it. And really today is a celebration of Jewish mysticism. That's what Lag Bomer is. That's why bonfires are lit all over the world, to commemorate the fire in the soul of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. He exposed the idea of soul. He 
we always knew we had a soul, but what is a soul and why are we here and what do our actions accomplish? The, the soul of Judaism, he made it accessible. He gave a context. And it's for this reason, obviously, together with his incredible proudship and traditional Torah study in the Talmud, that Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai has become, at least on his yard site, the most celebrated Jewish leader of all time. Not necessarily, when I say celebrated, I mean literally celebrated. Hundreds of thousands of Jews celebrating his yard site. Obviously, maybe more people in the world know of Moses and Abraham, etc. But to have one individual that pretty much the Jewish world comes together every year to celebrate his yard site is only Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. And now you understand a little bit why. This is 101.9 Chai FM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM. This is Rabbi Levi Avtson of Linksfield Shul. We're back. We're on this incredible day of Lagba Omer. The 33rd day of the Omer. We know that each day when we count the Omer, we have different Kabbalistic energies. If you look in the Siddur, when you count the Omer, at the, next to each number, it says, Chesed Shebe Chesed, Chesed Shebe Gvura, Gvura Shebe Netzach, etc. And today, if you look at the Kabbalistic energy of today, number 33, it's Hoid which can be either translated as glory within glory, humility within humility. It's, it's radiance. That's really what it is. It's radiance. The radiance of humility, the radiance of Torah. That's really what Lag Bomer is. It's a day of radiance. It's a beautiful day. We're told that on this day, it's a special day to give brachas to each other, to bless one another, to receive brachas, to go to the graves of great sages, not only of Rabbi Shimon, but many Jews traditionally go on this day to the, to the grave sites of, the, of people they uh, cherish or people they admire. It's a day of miracles. It's a day of connection. It's a day of spirituality. It's, there's something very powerful about this day. There really is. And when I say that there's power to a day, ultimately you might sit there saying, okay, what's he smoking? I'm not. Each day has its energy. Each day has its power. And ultimately, it's about signing into that power. It's about becoming sensitive to it. To actually just learn about this day, to go online, learn about this day, and suddenly you'll actually feel what I'm saying. You'll feel that there's a special potency to this day. There's a special blessing of this day. Rabbi Shimon's light the light of the of the Jewish soul, the light of Jewish mysticism radiates today more than ever. So tap into it. How much about Jewish mysticism do you know? How much have you been exposed to? Have you gone, gone to a class in Kabbalah? Have you gone to a class in Hasidut? Yes, there is a tradition that one a person shouldn't study mysticism till they're 40. And it's true. At the same time, many of the great sages of recent centuries felt and taught that due to the fact that our world is more exposed and more challenged spiritually than ever before, we need tools that not necessarily previous generations 
had before. So if maybe, you know, hundreds of years ago, a person living in the shtetl didn't need to study Jewish mysticism to stay on track. So therefore, they, they were kept away from it till age 40 because they might misunderstand it, etc. Today, you throw every medicine at a patient. I think in coronavirus, you can understand it. Each day, you know, the doctors are discovering that what they thought yesterday is not true and what they're learning new things about this virus. But ultimately, what they're doing is they're throwing various medicines on the virus and hoping that something will stick and some stick more than others and they become the medicine. And so, too, in our time, the argument that people shouldn't study Jewish mysticism till the age 40, although it's a true argument, it's an, it's an irrelevant argument and it's an unfair argument. It's keeping Jews away. It's keeping people away from something that might inspire them. And none of us have a right to hold back one another in a time that we're all desperate for inspiration. We don't have a right um, to hold back. And that's why in our era, Jewish mysticism is more exposed than ever. And it is more accessible than ever because we need it. Believe it or not, I'm not 40 uh, yet. Um, and I ask myself what my life would be without Jewish mysticism, what my Judaism would be without studying the why, the soul, the meaning, the heart. And I would feel that my Judaism would be lacking my, I would struggle without that meaning. Jewish mysticism gives me such a strong why to continue. It gives me such a strong purpose. Even talking to you on this radio now, believing that me talking into my phone, which is then being broadcast onto radio due to the fact of corona, and sharing these ideas, and believing that the world becomes a better place when we share ideas of Torah, that's a Kabbalistic idea. And it's an idea that literally set the tone of my life and I believe set the tone of many of our lives, whether consciously or subconsciously. And today is the day that we pay testament to that potency. It's the day that we pay homage, homage to the gift of Jewish mysticism and what it's offered us in our lives. A why, a deep why for what we do. As I said, ideas like Tikkun Olam, an idea that was taught by the Zohar and then expounded upon Darizal. Today, according to Jewish mystics, they call it the Rosh Hashanah for the deeper level of Torah, for Jewish mysticism. When I mean Rosh Hashanah, I mean it's the day. It's the day that sets the tone, and that's why it's taken so seriously around the world. It's a day to really celebrate the why of life, not only Jewish practice, which is obviously important, not only Jewish scholarship, which is obviously important, but the soul of Judaism, the mystical element, the heart, the meaning behind it. And in a time like today, I, I encourage you in every way I possibly can that if you haven't been exposed yet to that part of Jewish scholarship, to expose yourself, it's all over. It's in books. It's in websites, great books published by Rabbi Arya Kaplan, on Chabad.org, from all Jewish publishing houses. Ideas that will make your life, that will enrich your life, thanks to the wisdom 
and scholarship of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. It's a, it's the part of Torah that will illuminate your soul. When a person, I can't, I can't believe I'm actually going to quote him in the middle of a shir about Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, but Lahavdil, on the other side of the spectrum, Nietzsche said, he who has a why can survive anyhow. I'm not a big fan of Nietzsche, but he, he did say it well. Rabbi Shimba Yochai gives us a strong why. He helps us articulate the why of Judaism, why it's so important to practice, why it's so important to be engaged, why it's so important to love one another. He gives it heart. And for a person like myself, I could only talk about myself. I could say, thank God I've been exposed to his wisdom and to his why. Because it gives me a reason. And it gives me strength. And it gives me purpose. And it gives me intention. And what more can a person ask for in this world? This is 101.9 Chai FM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 High FM. Shkoyach. Thanks for joining us on this Lagba Omer Fabringen to talk about Rabbi Shimba Yochai to pay tribute to his contribution to Jewish life. I encourage you to go beyond the radio show to actually look him up. One of his great concepts, and I'm going to finish with that, that he, he gave us, we always knew that we're supposed to love one another. But why? Why should I love one another? Why should we love one another? Because it's nice? Because it's elegant? Because it makes the world a better place? Yeah, all the above. But do we really understand that we're all one? The Talmud tells it, call Yisrael Arevim Zalazeh, we're all responsible for one another. But to really appreciate our oneness, to understand that we are all part of God and God's infinity and God's infinity is in, within each and every one of us and together we create one body. And if, because we're all one body, if the toenail is sore, the whole body suffers. In other words, somebody else's lack is your lack as well. Whether you think that you're the head and that person's the toenail or whether indeed you're the toenail and that person's the head is irrelevant. Point is, we're the same body. Jewish responsibility, Jewish outreach, Jewish companionship. These are ideas that Rabbi Shimra Yechai articulated and gave context and gave meaning. And that is the beauty of his thoughts, the beauty of his ideas. So I'm going to finish off the show with a song. It's, oh, it's played often on Chai FM. It's called Amechad. We are one nation. Shirachad, one song. In honor of Rabbi Shimba Yechai, wishing you a great day. Beautiful weather. Go bry. Go have a great day. See you next week. 101.9 Chai FM. This is Rabbi Levi Afton of Linksfield Shul signing off. Have a great one.